the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the High Line. Hello, Rapids fans, and welcome to another episode of Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red, Stan Kroenke's favorite podcast. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. The Colorado Rapids have picked up four points from two home games. Austin Trusty is on his way to the blue side of Birmingham, and we have many things to discuss now in Rapids land looking ahead to Saturday night's game at Seattle Sounders. Joining me now to talk about all of these things back from his hiatus this past week, a man who is here to chew bubblegum and talk about soccer, and he's all out of bubblegum, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I actually don't really like bubblegum. Um, I don't like the, like, after I get done with it, uh, you know, I just like saliva going down my throat and it bugs my stomach. How are you doing today, Matt? Ah, oh, I'm all right, Mark. It is hot, hot, hot here. I have been consuming so much water while I've been out doing my various field work things for the day job. I have been more so than I, I think any workout that I've done in Denver in my current gym situation with the air conditioning and situation is just absolutely drenched in sweat, sweat after cardio and all of those things. And I did Buffalo Mountain, Buffalo Peak. It's the big dome topped one in Silverthorne, folks, that you see right coming down the tunnel, right coming down the hill after the Eisenhower Tunnel going west on I-70. And Mark, I feel like I've drank I feel pretty confident in saying, like, easily over a hundred ounces of water in the last 48 hours, in in the 36 hours after that, and I feel like I've only had to go to the bathroom, like, twice for liquid purposes. Uh, Mark, is it equally hot and stinky and summery in, in the land of Pittsburgh? No, nah, it's been pretty much the same all summer. It's been like 90 and humid or 85 and humid. Today was hot, but but not that much. And we also, it poured all day yesterday. So um, it, it really, also, to be honest, I didn't really go outside much today. I just kind of tinkered around. I mowed the lawn. Uh, that was, Tuesday's my day off. So it's uh, it's pretty chill. Matt, how's the soccering been, though? There's been a lot of news. There's a lot of, it's hard to focus. This is that weird time of year where, we as MLS fans have real soccer, but the rest of the world seems fixated on transfer, transfer, transfer news. And I always find that to be, you know, kind of like discombobulating that uh, everyone else is talking about, oh, the exciting season coming up. And I'm like, we're in the thick of it here in the Americas. Yeah, no, it's it's well said there, Mark. You know, when you were here, I think this was Monday morning before we went to the 4th of July game and I was finishing up my piece on Lucas Estevez and pulling a few things from Twitter and just like every five minutes I'd see something yeah. different football related trending. And so I'd look at that and it's just it's getting absolutely exhausted for me. Uh, listeners, if it's not obvious to you, I'm not a big fan of silly season. I think all the rumblings that you have and this isn't just rapid specific, but I could say this about MLS. I could say this about the Premier League as a, you know, someone who now is is a fan of a Premier League team with Fulham getting promoted, just like the endless silly season, all of the shenanigans going on. And then on top of that, you have the NBA basically doing the exact same thing this summer with Kevin Durant just yeeting and wanting to quit on the broken necks and everything. Mark, I'm absolutely exhausted from it. And I don't fully understand. I understand people getting excited about the possibility and talking what if and the rumor mill and everything. And I say this as a reporter who reports on some of that stuff because it's really easy to get a lot of clicks on something that doesn't have a lot of substance to it. But you know, still, I, I don't get the people that are more obsessed with like NBA free agency than they are actually watching NBA games or the NBA finals. And I don't understand people that are as obsessed with the transfer market and silly season in the summer going into the league season than you are about the league season of the domestic team that you support or Champions League or the fact that we have a World Cup coming up to me played in that but i'll just say really quick my i've always been and it's a phrase that i stole from i believe um uh oh who wrote it uh probably drew mcgarry uh from uh 
um, Deadspin way back in the day. Uh, it might be him. It might be Mike Petriello. But um, one of these other writers had coined the term rosterbation. And I am a fervent rosterbater. I really, really like this. I wouldn't call it silly season because I think it's disrespectful. But I like the team on paper. And I like constructing teams on paper. Despite the fact that Matt is demonstrably better in fantasy soccer at constructing a team on paper than I am, I really, really enjoy it. I just find it really fascinating to say, well, we've got this guy, but now we have too many wings. We need an interior you know, midfielder, but we need a guy who can like, you know, um, hold the ball a little bit and, and tackle a little bit. And we need this guy and that guy. And if we move this guy there, like... I would love to sit down and have an actual honest conversation with Porrick Smith about, you know, everything that's going on in his world. Unfortunately, as a reporter, uh, Porrick won't ever actually tell me anything that isn't totally sanitized for the public. And that's good. That's him being a smart GM. Matt, uh, what's what's coming down the pike in uh, in in Rapids land and transfer world in former Rapids transfer world in former Rapids uh, substance abuse policy violations that we may want to discuss. Well, Mark, you said it there. So let's start. Uh, listeners, this past week, this past Friday, news broke that Courtney Ford had tested positive for a PED, a performance enhancing drug. Um, and that ended up being a weight loss supplement that from reporting from my good friend over at Last Word on Soccer and the Kansas City Star, Daniel Sperry, who we've had on this podcast reported on. It was a fat loss supplement that Ford was taking with a private trainer that would have been after his time with the Rapids at the end of last year had concluded and prior to officially signing a contract with Sporting Kansas City in order to do his offseason regiment stuff and get more ready for the season as an out-of-contract player who, you know, hadn't played a full season and wasn't coming off of a season where he was fully fit and playing well. This was not part of his rehab, but part of his going into, I'm going to actually play a league season next year for a full 10 months. I need to be ready for that. The initial ban coming out from Major League Soccer from the disciplinary committee is 10 games and a salary deduction, a salary fine of 20%. Court Ford is making approximately 150k in guaranteed money from Sporting Kansas City. So a $30,000 fine is a pretty substantial one. Mark, uh, I have heard from people both at the league level and at the Sporting Kansas City level, court is expected to appeal that. And given the nature of it and the fact that it was in between and not a drug that he took whilst being a contracted Sporting Kansas City player, that that fine will that the fine will certainly be reduced significantly and you're looking at i'd say mark i'd estimate it goes somewhere to from a maybe a five game suspension to a two game suspension i don't think it's going to be zero i don't think it's going to be 10 i'd say somewhere between two and five games and we'll see what happens with the fine uh mark this kind of sucks because this is kind of the nature of sports and kind of playing between the lines pun intended and using every single advantage that is available to you in order to be competitive and speaks to the fact that players sometimes have to do risky things in order to have their body ready um, whilst not always having well not always having the the back secured um, at the same time maybe there was a lack of due diligence done by court or his trainer possibly both yeah I um, you know you you have to in any one of these situations as a neutral fan or a um, an observer or a, a, a commentator, you have effectively like two conclusions to arrive at. One is kind of what you're alluding to, Matt, which is he knew the rules, he tried to bend or break them, and he got caught. And the other alternative, which you also sort of alluded to, because you, you played your cards pretty well close to your chest, Matt, is that maybe his trainer gave him something without fully checking in to see whether it might run afoul of the rules. Um, I'm a stickler for PED rules and, and stuff like this. Um, you know, when you're a fancy athlete with a team full of trainers and you are given little pills and little vitamins and little supplements or little shots and someone says, oh, no, no, no it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, your body is a temple and this is what you do for a living and you've got to be really careful about these things. Um, if it is, if it was, if it was court, then he needs to own up to it. If it was his trainer, then the trainer needs to be fired and reprimanded. And, um, but you know, buyer beware, you know, you, you really need to know who you're working with and whether they're 
above board and reputable um, when you deal with them. But like, I don't have a lot of tolerance for this kind of behavior. I don't believe that it should be reduced from five games to two games, no matter what, regardless of whether it's option A that I mentioned or option B, right? Do the time, do the crime. Um, other way around, do the crime, do the time. Um, he, he made a real mistake. Uh, and the league probably, in my opinion, Matt, probably won't soften up and, and reduce because um, only two games for a performance-enhancing drug, it sets a bad precedent. It, 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 it allows for the possibility of players taking, you know, EPO or uh, taking some sort of muscle-building steroid and masking it and trying to get away with it and then saying, oh, I took a supplement from my trainer and I didn't know. Like, you know, you are old enough to remember the Barry Bonds era. You are old enough to remember the Lance um, Armstrong era. And like, yeah, it's probably not as bad as that. It's probably, you know, I, there are, you know, to say it's a slippery slope is 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 definitely legitimate. But like, we've got to be really careful to to not let players turn into Lyle Alzado. Well said there, Mark. Uh, listeners, since last week's podcast, it is official that Austin Trustee's loan situation away from Arsenal for the year has been confirmed. That is going to Birmingham City. Mark, there's a certain English championship team supposedly in Wales that I had heard potentially was also interested, and there's been a question at least that I kind of postulated about uh, whether or not when that got finalized and anything. In any case, ultimately, Austin Trustee's early departure from the Rapids relative to the press release that would have had him available through this past Saturday's game against the LA Galaxy, that was confirmed, what, two weeks ago now. Um, and so he is off to Birmingham City. They are a team in the English Championship. Uh, they finished 20th out of 24 in the championship this past year. They had a woeful season, Mark. Normally, this is a team that you would say is mid-table in the championship as someone who doesn't watch it. Um, they have a very eccentric owner who seems a little bit detached with the with reality. Um, if you were to uh, just Google um, uh, if you were to just Google that and look at some stuff on top Sport. I'm sure Jason Maxwell of Blackburn Rovers fandom is chuckling at this right now. He is the Merritt Paulson of the English Championship. Uh, this is a team that it, were it not for the points deductions to Reading and Darby County this past year in the championship would have been in the thick of it in terms of relegation battle. Mark, this is a team desperately looking to get back to mid-table mediocrity and a team that plays in Birmingham where they are very much second fiddle to Aston Villa. At the same time, Mark, this is a team desperate for good players who can prove that they can play at the championship level, who are physical, have remotely good skill sets, and namely the team that they are on loan from is picking up the majority of their wages so that they can be clear on the books, especially when you're renovating St. Andrews Park in Birmingham City. Uh, Mark, what, if anything, do we care about this? And given this is another team in another league in the English Championship, should Rapids fans start be booking appointment television between ESPN Plus having the Eredivisie, the Belgian Super League, and now Birmingham City of the English Championship? We should care. Uh, we should care because just like Cole Bassett and Sam Vines, Austin Trusty is property of the Colorado Rapids who is, you know, sold on. And so any monies that uh, occur from, you know, another transfer deal will ultimately, there will be money that will come back to the Colorado Rapids um, in this deal. So in the event that he, if he has a breakout season with Birmingham and then winds up back in the English Premiership next year um, or gets sold around, there will be sell on money that will come back to the Rapids. So we always we should always care about these kids who've come out of the Rapids. That being said, um, you know, we should also uh, we also have to acknowledge, Matt, you and I, that we've talked to a lot of folks in Rapids land that Trusty looked like hot garbage on a stick for the last two months of our season. Um, he probably needs to play his way into the starting lineup at Birmingham City. Um, I don't think it's it's a given that he's a starting backline guy. Uh, and whether what we saw the last two months was a fluke or the real Austin trustee is a really good question. Um, you know, cause we, we want to see this kid succeed because he's a nice kid. We also want to see this kid succeed because there's financial remuneration for the Colorado Rapids if he blows up big, yo. 
Uh, Lawrence Bassini is that owner of Birmingham City, folks. B-A-S-S-I-N-I on the last name. Just search his name and talk sport and you'll get a bunch of interviews that are interesting. Mark, there are many aspects of the Rapids being owned by KSE and by silent Stan Kroenke that are negative. There are also owners that can be on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I'm glad that Austin Trustee is probably only going to have to deal with that particular individual for a year. Moving on, Mark, to other loan news. There's a rumbling coming out of the Netherlands that Cole Bassett potentially could have a loanception, uh, potentially going to Fortuna Sittard, who finished 15th in the Eredivisie. They narrowly avoided the relegation playoff. 18 teams in the Eredivisie, folks. The bottom two teams are automatically relegated. The third to bottom team goes into a playoff with the third place team in the second division in the Netherlands. Fortuna Sittard narrowly avoided that. Mark, there's some new rules, or I don't remember, relatively new rules with FIFA regarding loan situations and loans from loans on loan teams. So in order for any of this to take place, uh, that would have to be approved by the Colorado Rapids. Reports are both in Dutch and then from our good friend Tom Bogert over at MLSsoccer.com that none of this is, uh, this is all very preliminary. Nothing's finalized or close in any way, shape, or form. My main concern or question that I would be asking as Porrick Smith or somebody else from the front office who has to sign off on this is the intentions from this. Uh, Feyenoord has sold a good number of players. Um, they've, I made, I think it's almost $50 million in euros this winter window from selling some of their young players. Are they bringing other guys in? What is the status of Gustil, who was technically on loan from a Russian club? Club to the uh, Air Divise side. Is that is he coming on on a permanent situation or is he coming back on loan given the situation with Russia? Uh, Ernst Tunstra, who is the other player who was in Cole Bassett's way in terms of starting time. He had an injury at the end of last season. Is he staying on with the club? What are their expectations for him this season? Is Cole Bassett going because... Feyenoord is about to make a bunch of signings for players that are going to be a big deal in the World Cup, and there are contingencies on those moves happening to them getting playing time, and Bassett will become a viable piece in the second half of the season, as this European season, folks, is just going to get wrecked in the second half with the World Cup and injuries and fatigue and probably muscle injuries and soft tissue injuries to guys playing at the World Cup. And then Bassett is going to play a more important role. And then the most important thing for him, maybe since he won't be getting that playing time out of necessity in the first half of the season, is to just be as fit and in form as possible. Or is this an indication that he is maybe not on schedule based on where Fire North thought he would be or want him to be working his way into the starting 11 in the second half of this upcoming European season to then make a multi-million dollar uh, transfer acquisition of Cole Bassett on a permanent basis. That is the question and the contingency I'd be asking if I were um, if I were Porg Smith. And if there's not a clear answer between those two, I think there's a conversation to be had with Arnie Slot, a conversation to be had with Cole Bassett and what his short and long-term future as a Rapids and as a Fire North loan player are last thing that i'm going to throw to you mark i have some concerns rabbi about streaming and the direction that mls is going on i met with our good friends brendan plone and Joseph Samuelson to watch a CONCACAF Women's Championship game for the United States Women's National Team. Recently, we went to the Bulldog fully expecting that Paramount Plus was going to be on there, and a little birdie told me, Mark, that actually they're not allowed to set to play games that are on Paramount Plus anymore, and apparently they've gotten a cease and desist letter, and Paramount Plus has been particularly litigious with bars and restaurants and other things that are potentially streaming their services on TVs for non-private use. And then you had Paramount Plus glitching in stoppage time of the women's final the other night when the United States was up 1-0 against Canada. And that had a lot of people on Twitter that were particularly upset there. Mark, Apple TV is a streaming service. They're an app. They're a streaming service that I would say outside of Ted Lasso isn't used to having a huge massive bandwidth come on for a pseudo live event. And I, w- I would did say that they do this with baseball, excuse me. And so I am hoping that Apple TV is taking lessons learned from the failures of the algorithm and the display portal that you have on ESPN Plus, the various glitch issues that we've seen from Paramount Plus, and in my personal opinion, the disaster that is trying to watch the English Premiership on Peacock or find anything on there whatsoever when you don't have a cable TV subscription. 
Uh, and on all of this on top of this, Mark, when Apple TV could be like, yeah, we don't want to do corporate licenses because we want we want 20 people in their own houses subscribing to our channel rather than trying to go to a bar where they don't have to pay for it. But maybe they're paying 10 percent more on the bar fee. But that money isn't coming back in our pocket. Mark, should we be concerned about Apple TV MLS? I'm not. I mean, I I hear you, and I didn't know that about Paramount until you just said it. So that's really interesting that that there's been it's there's been difficulty of watching uh, Paramount Plus in a bar. Maybe you go to bars that are too big. You've got to find holes in the walls where the bar the bulldog is too big. Well, it's a soccer bar. Maybe maybe you need to go to some shady dive bars like we have here in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll take you to the bar down the street called the Squirrel Hill Sports Bar, which has the thing that I covet most in the universe, a Heineken um, neon sign that says it's a Heineken MLS um, neon sign. I want that thing so badly, Matt. Maybe for my 46th birthday, someone will buy it for me. Anyways, um, I'm not really worried. I don't know why. Um, I just feel like Major, Major League Soccer is is too big to be wrapped into a deal with Apple TV that makes it so that um, teams, uh, 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 a, a huge group of lawyers is going to bust down the front door of every bar um, that tries to play uh, a Galaxy Red Bull match on a Saturday night. It just seems unlikely to me, but but what do I know? I'm just a rabbi. Listeners, this past Wednesday at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, the Colorado Rapids played Orlando City FC to a 1-1 draw. Facundo Torres got the scoring op- started in the 22nd minute off of a long throw in and then a couple bounces in the box and he puts it off the underside of the crossbar. Lels Bubakar looking particularly ignominious on the marking in that situation on the initial ball into the box. Jonathan Lewis rattles a shot off of the post off of a nice chip from Sam Nicholson making his first start at home for the Burgundy boys returning to the team. That was in the 29th minute. Uh, Mark, a really frustrating kind of disjointed first half from the Burgundy boys. Orlando had a good start to the half in terms of dictating play. And then once they scored the goal, they were very organized defensively, very good structure. And the Rapids looked like they weren't on the same page. A number of passes were clearly there was miscommunication going on there. A number of them between Max trying to find Jonathan Lewis, where J. Lou was distinctly, visibly and audibly upset with what Max was doing. Sam Nicholson finds Giassi Zardes on a run to the back post in the 49th minute. Pedro Gaiese makes one of several fantastic saves in this game. He was the man in the match for me. 65th minute, finally the Rapids get on the board. Diego Rubio with a nice long pass to Nicholson. And then Nicholson finds Giassi Zardes at the near post. Or was it Barrios? It might be Barrios. My notes might be wrong, folks. Uh, to Giassi Zardes, who directs it top left side netting in the corner of the box to make it 1-1. Max has chances. Rubio has chances. Rosenberry has that chance off of a set piece. The Rapids huff and puff. Orlando clearly bunkering in the final 20 minutes to just try and get the draw. And ultimately, they got the draw. Rabbi, what were your good things from this first of four points from last week's DGW? Uh, I mean, just in general, uh, midweek uh, match where things went well and Jossie Zardes having uh, a really good game and getting a goal here. Um, the uh, wide, wide pass you know, finish right in front of goal uh, thing from our 4-3-3 or our 4-1-4-1 is a thing that we've been either trying all season and not succeeding at or over the last week, both in the Wednesday game and the Saturday game, we tried and succeeded at, um, you know, with Jonathan Lewis and with Michael Barrios and with, uh, I think we had one other player who who played it wide, but guys coming from wide and, and getting it central is a, is a thing that we have always been, for the last three seasons now, really, really good at um, kind of like, like especially with Michael Barrios, kind of running to the end line and then cutting it back a little bit with something that floats. Um, and so, you know, finishing that way is, is just a, a lovely thing to see. Um, it would have been nice to have closed this one out. Matt, uh, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I, I think it's a tale of two halves, really, where I think, you know, I... Oscar Perea has always played these games, whether he's been with FC Dallas or Orlando, coming in at altitude, at Colorado, at RSL. He's been conservative, and he's been content to get a nil-nil draw, to get a 1-1 draw. So I think as soon as Orlando came out and started well, given that we haven't always seen the Rapids start well, and as soon as they got their first goal, their game plan for what they were going to do the rest of the, the 60 minutes, the 70 
68 minutes after they scored, you know, uh, was no surprise for me really. And so I think it was just about whether or not the Rapids could break him down. It was really bad in the first 15 minutes. You know, they made a slight change in terms of what they were doing on the left and the rotation in the midfield. I thought Brian Acosta did a decently good job in this one. I thought Colin Warner again put in a shift given his limitations in age as a player and what we know he is and what we know that he isn't. And so I think it just took some time for them to figure it out. But just we've seen time and time again, the Rapids against a team that is a known entity, they can out chance create them. And it's just a matter of whether or not they can convert them. I put this game a little bit on I would put that last statement as a, a, a little bit with a grain of salt, just given the opponent and the way that they were playing and given how Orlando played on the road recently. Orlando came here to get a draw. They were content with it. Uh, I don't think they were really going forward and trying to get a goal. It was just a matter of whether or not the Rapids were going to be able to score. Good on it for, you know, us to basically Twitter bully Giassi Zardes and speak his first goal from the run of play into existence in this one. Um, and, you know, I think definitely credit to Pedro Gallese. I think you put... You know, I'd say 90% of the other starters in goal, you know, I think Stefan Fry at the peak of his powers, I think Sean Johnson, maybe those guys probably find a way to keep their team, Andre Blake find their way to keep their team out with a draw. But if you put DC United's goalkeeper in, if you put Poss from, uh, you know, from FC Dallas, if you put, um, you know, Ivancic from Portland in there, I think the Rapids find a way to win that game 2-1. In that regard, it's points drop, but at the same time, I thought Orlando was the better team in the first half. I think this is just another lesson about seeing what the opponent's doing when it's unfamiliar, making that adjustment quicker, and then executing on that. We saw Jossie Zardes do that. We saw Sam Nicholson. We saw Diego Rubio do that. We did not see Max Alves do that, and that might have been the difference in the game for me. Any other big things that you want to say about this, Mark? I kind of, I took your good thing and then talked about the second half, which was my good thing, transitioned that to my bad thing, which was the first half, and then my big thing, which was that, uh, you know, that the, the team still can't reliably always break down good defensive teams. And that's something that we've seen that's been inconsistent in terms of not only the chance creation, but then the goal scoring. And if they put that together, they will be a fantastic home team like they were last year. Yeah, mine's a similar but different note on that, which is I wouldn't say this is really a bad thing, but it's 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 something that carries through again, both with Orlando and with LA Galaxy, which we'll talk about in a second, which is the Rapids are beating teams. They're just beating bad teams, right? Like, we generally beat the bottom end of the table or play well or get a draw against the bottom end of the table. We're really struggling against, I think, the, the top, the better teams. And so if, if, we, can't, if we can't change that narrative um, and if we can't uh, get an actual win on the road, which, by the way, we drew, so we didn't win on the road, and we still haven't won on the road yet, right? Um, so if we can't change those two narratives of we only beat the bad teams and we only win at home, uh, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, um, hockey fans or fans that started following the Avs during their cup run, folks, you'll see these shot charts or the Corsi-Fenwick charts with respect to time, and you can kind of point out and see kind of where there's narrative changes or where a scoreline then affects how both two teams are kind of approaching it, and the uh, XG chart that you have on the box score at MLSsoccer.com just shows this perfectly, where Orlando's just kind of gradually the better team to start, they score, there's a gradual flip where the Rapids start doing better, and the second second half is basically just high quality rapids chance after rapids chance almost in like a an exponential growth curve in terms of the rapids xg which came out to be 2.5 and then orlando's just like flattening out to 0.7 what it ended up being and then you finally see the rapids goal but you know you saw really good chance for jossie's artist on a header in the second half rubio with that shot off of a header off of a corner that doesn't go in and then keegan rosenberry so it's nice to see the urgency and figure it out i guess mark if we were to take the where the rapids were by the time we got to the 60th minute and then if we were to play out that final 30 minutes and extrapolate that out to a 90 minute game the Rapids dominate Orlando they win this game 3-0 easily um when you don't start games well when you give up a cheap goal and when you're playing a goalkeeper who on his night is very very good you're going to drop points we probably feel good about this point Mark because of the result that we're going to talk about 
in a moment. But if we're talking about a draw that then leads to another draw, like this is this is where kind of the the second result in a double game week at DGW kind of defines how we feel about it. And this was an indication of an upward trajectory and an upward trend that we believe that the Rapids were capable of. But in a vacuum, this result is absolutely two points dropped, regardless of how well they performed. Well, I mean, I think you actually said it really well at the beginning, and I didn't comment on it, which was that Glazy had a, an amazing game. And um, did you see the expected goals numbers on this? Yeah, it was it was two point five for the Rapids mark. Yeah, you said. Sorry, I thought you had said it, but I wasn't sure if 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 I had invented that in my head while I was mentally preparing for my remarks, which is one of those moments where you know you're you're not you're only half listening because you want to say something intelligent for the listeners. But like, yeah, two point five uh, four five expected goals is a lot. Um, to be, you know, taken away by, by the, uh, the opposing goalkeeper. Let's talk about a, the other game. Listeners, this past Saturday, also at Dick's Sporting It's Park, the Colorado Rapids played the Los Angeles Galaxy, and it was, what, 7-8 now, undefeated at home, um, and it was Dos Acero. Uh, Jossi Zardes with a great opportunity, possibly the best opportunity of the game in the sixth minute. Nice ball down the middle. He splits the final two defenders, rounds Jonathan Bond, and then Derek Williams with a fantastic clearance off the line. Williams then gets a great volley opportunity off of a corner. Great set-piece chances for both teams in this game. That was in the 19th minute. Great arm save by William Yarbrough, save of the game if you ask me personally. 20th minute, finally the Rapids get on the board off of a counterattack. Danny Wilson with a great 40-yard ball to Jonathan Lewis in stride. He cuts back, finds Diego Rubio in zone 14, and he buries it. Diego Rubio with his ninth goal now, and I think he's up to 10 goal contributions and just two away from tying his MLS record for goals in a regular season that he set back in 2019 with our Colorado Rapids. Jossie Zardes appears to make it 2-0 in the 25th minute off of a corner, off of a nice thumping header, but VAR looked at this and, de- and determined that Keegan Rosenberry was in an offsides position and via indirect offsides, the goal was wiped out. Uh, the one really good opportunity he had for the LA Galaxy was... Um Everett Alvarez, two minutes into the second half, he puts the ball in the back of the net, but was well off sides, and the goal, if he was in an onside position, would not have gotten an opportunity that would have led to a goal. Good play by the line out there. 60th minute, Jonathan Lewis hits the side netting, but ultimately he gets his revenge with his second assist of the game in the 75th minute, picking off a poor back pass from an LA Galaxy midfielder. Filthy back heel to Giassi Zardes in stride, and Zardes buries it in the opposite corner. Rapids get out of Jodge. Four points from two games, Mark, beating a the LA Galaxy team in a six-pointer. Zardes scores against his former team. Two goals in two games. Zardes stonk. Here we come. Rabbi, what was your favorite good thing from this past Saturday? You know, it's hard to pick between those three goals, which were really two goals, but the, the first goal is really gorgeous. I mean, it's just really... Um, and I'm... You know, ever since we did the podcast about, like, Diego Rubio, the the great Diego Rubio debate, we continue to kind of sit back. And I think in my head, I'm I, on some level, I emotionally root against Diego Rubio's success because it would counteract the narrative that I've established. I'm being very honest with our listeners, right? I have said, I think going back over 18 months, I don't believe in Diego Rubio. He's not the solution. He's, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't buy him. Um, so every time he scores a goal, he's proving that I'm wrong. And I'm starting to, like, I guess I'm coming clean on the podcast about that now in order to say mea culpa. Like, I think maybe I should just root for Diego Rubio's success. This goal was, to be honest, I think like my favorite goal that he scored because he took it in a great place. He dribbled it perfectly with the right balance. And then he cut it back to, you know, he was dribbling, he was drifting to his right, and then he cut it back and tucked it into the bottom left corner in in the side netting in such, such, such a pretty way. Um, and it was just, he was in the right place at the right time, he received it perfectly, he unloaded it perfectly, his shot was, like, in an unsavable position. It was just beautiful all around. I guess the other thing I'll say is, like, um, I can't tell if the Galaxy looked terrible or the Rapids made them look terrible, but it really looked like Colorado was just in control of this game from beginning to end, and there really wasn't much to to say about um, about the Galaxy on this night. To that end, uh, if you looked at their, um, their foot mob uh, kind of numbers, basically every player on the team had a really low rating, like a below 7 rating, which is 
um, bad. It's another way of saying everybody was bad. Last thing to just mention, the Galaxy did not play Chicharito in this match. And I feel like the Galaxy and LAFC have a history of coming to Colorado and not busting out the big weapons because they hate Rapids fans and they don't like them getting to see big, fancy, high-priced talent. And I think that's unfair. I just think those stars just don't want to play at altitude. But in any case, Mark... um, I think they hate us. I think they hate us. They hate our lifestyle. They hate our clean living. And they hate our craft brews. Uh, So on your point about Jesse's artist playing well and then Diego Rubio's goal, I think this was an absolute complete attacking performance. Diego Rubio goal, check. Jesse's artist goal, check. Two goals from the run of play in two games, check. And then the one player that everybody... One of the players that everybody's kind of harping on about his production not being there in him underachieving i would say less so about michael barrios because barrios is the present he's not the future he's going to be fit he's going to increase he's going to be diminishing returns from him because of his age at this point we have not seen jonathan lewis arrive yet in terms of the potential and the hype and the usmnt and is he going to europe yet and so even though he did not score in this game he had two assists two really good assists and then just picking off the pass that filthy back heel to giassi's artist chef's kiss just as good as would he have gotten a goal as far as I'm concerned? Other two individuals that I want to highlight, Mark, I don't know how we haven't mentioned this, Ralph Prizzo, you know, who had had all of two all of two training sessions with the team, not conditioned at altitude whatsoever. Robin Frazier said after the game that he was super concerned about playing Ralph because he was like, I don't know, am I setting him up to fail and everything? Is he completely prepared? He's not used to the team. He's not used to altitude. If he has a bad game, it's all going to be on me. What is this going to mean for his competence? Con- his confidence comes out completely bosses the game and everything he was absolutely fantastic in this one let me pull up these stats i tweeted them out uh he played just the first half folks he was subbed out in the second half but he had a 6.8 rating on fought mob mark 10 of 12 passing one of two on long bowls six of six duels and he was fouled three times uh you know just a uh, he had that dog in him and it was fantastic last individual i want to highlight mark you're pointing out that you want that your part of you is rooting against Diego Rubio because you want your narrative to be right. I can say this is someone who gets a random tweet from a Scots, uh, from a Scottish international, from fans of the Scots, of the Scottish national team who pay attention to Scottish players playing abroad that my Danny Wilson redemption, Danny Wilson redemption article is still getting clicks from random people in Scotland a year after I wrote it and everything. Mark, some of the best articles that you can write are, I was wrong, here's why, and then here's the good thing that happened from my cynical take from 18 months ago. You should be rooting for Diego Rubio. But Danny Wilson, I think, had his most comprehensive and most complete game in every single phase of his play in this one. Passing out of the back was fantastic. 40-yard dime to Jonathan Lewis to the play that ultimately leads to the first goal. Several really key emergency defending moments on Kevin Cabral, on Samuel Gramsier, players that are definitely better than him or faster than him. Really key blocks and gradually uh, organized the defense to be better adjusted to that as the game went along and really choked out the LA Galaxy. To your point about maybe the bad thing that I have from this game, Mark, is, you know, fundamentally the Rapids got a win and a draw against an Eastern Conference team that came here and played conservative and was happy to get a draw and a team that ultimately, you know, now has lost three on the bounce, didn't have their DP striker and is in absolute crisis mode and is wondering whether or not it's time to blow up the front office, whether or not Greg Fanny should be on the hot seat, whether or not they should bring back Chicharito, all of those things. That being said, at some point, the Rapids have to start picking up points, and we have seen the Rapids against teams that have proven to be bad not pick up those points or have good performances against bad teams where they have dropped it or they have mungled it away. And at the end of the day, both of these teams, based on their record, Orlando City is in a playoff spot. They're fifth right now in the standings. And LA Galaxy technically are in seventh in the standings. At some point, you have to beat teams that have better records than you. And if they are having a bad day, you should take advantage of that. And that's not an indictment on you, but that is an indication that you're beating bad teams. But now you need to continue to improve the performance. We've been saying that we need to see that anyways. This team is going to have to get much better than they have been in the last month in order to ultimately be a playoff team. Mark, this is the start of the foundation of building the house that is the Rapids getting to and winning a playoff game in 2022. I'm not going to be mad that they're only so far along that progress, given that they got results against the teams that they were forced to play. 
You said a lot of words there, Matt. <laughs> there were like four ideas in that in that paragraph, and they were all brilliant, and I could riff off of any of them, but we don't have a lot of time because you have to get to King Supers and buy the things before they close. Um, so I'll just say, yeah, I mean, our next three games are against the Sounders and the Red Bulls away, followed by Minnesota at home. Um, we need six points from those three games. Okay, those three. Okay. I that's a were... good, that's an important start for us. And I mean six points. Like four points is just another way of saying, or three points is just another way of saying, we're condemned to eighth place. Mark, you weren't on the pod for this, and this is a question I would have asked you last week. I said last week I would have defined the minimum for success was four points. So four points, I'm feeling good about the direction the team was going. Six, I'm maybe reevaluating whether or not I'm DEFCON 1 at this team. If I had asked you this time last week, how many in these two games they would have needed, would you have said four points or six points in terms of defining success? I mean, we really need six points in in every three games all the time now because we're in 12th place, right? Like, we're not on pace to do jack squat this season. Um, you know, uh, four points, you know, averaging, what is that, in two games, four points, averaging two points a game might get us back into the, the playoff hunt, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, you need, you know, six and six out of nine, uh, you know, two point, what is that? Two point two a game is the rate you want to make. Listeners, this coming Saturday at Lumen Field in Seattle, Washington, the Colorado Rapids will be taking on Seattle Sounders for their second and final regular season game against them. We are currently 2034th through the Colorado Rapids 2022 season. They find themselves 12th in the Western Conference, 24 points off of those 20 games played, a record of 6, 8, and 6, a goal difference of negative 3, and away from the Dick this season, they are 0, 6, and 3, still looking for that first win away from home. Seattle Sounders find themselves 9th in the Western Conference, 26 points off of 20 games played for the Conca Champions, 8 wins, 10 losses, and 2 draws, a goal difference of plus 2, and at home this season in MLS regular season play, they are 5-4-1. and one. Uh, Mark, the Seattle Sounders have lost three games in a row. They had a very bad performance against the Chicago Fire last week in which they ultimately lost by a score of 1-0. to nil. Uh, Sounders have kind of lamented that they maybe are a little bit leggy right now. There's been some injuries with the fact that having getting so far in Champions League, their back half of their schedule has been truncated, which is forced schedule fixed, which is forced fixture congestion, which is forced squad rotation. They've been kind of complaining about that. Raul Ruiz Diaz isn't starting starting every single week and playing 90 minutes. Neither is Nico Lodero. Obviously, they're without a few midfield play, midfield players. Albert Rusnak has been kind of filling in there. Jordan Morris is back and playing 90 minutes off of his injury with Swansea that would have been, what, like 12, 15 months ago now. But they're rotating out their center backs. Uh, they're rotating out their goalkeeper as well. It hasn't always looked as good. Uh, how much of this, Mark, is hangover from winning Champions League? How much of this is just the difficulty of the schedule and legginess, possibly? And how much of this is maybe the karma, uh, the karma of the MLS script writers saying that, hey, you won Champions League. It's finally now for you to not make the playoffs so that all the Seattle Sounders haters on Twitter can dance on your grave for missing the playoffs. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I mean, it, it, a simple Occam's razor would say Raul Ruiz Diaz being injured is um, the thing that's really putting them back. He's been having, um, I mean, I've been putting him on my fantasy team week after week only to find out that he's not better yet. He's not better yet. He's been having hamstring problems that said, you know, that said he'll be fine next week. He'll be fine next week. And he's still not fine. So um, that's a thing. Um, another thing to worry about is they just, you know, Jordan Morris is like a shadow of himself from before he had two ACL injuries. Um, Will Bruin is aging as a aging dance, dancing bear and Freddie Montero was already old. And that's their striker core that I just kind of ripped through. Um, you know, there's some other pieces here that just aren't hanging together. Um, I think Albert Rusnak has not been... Um, as good and Jao Paulo being out was a huge, huge loss to this team. Um, you know, Nico Ladero without Rui Diaz, without Jao Paulo, and has not created the kind of chemistry with Albert Rusnak that they've needed. And then the last piece that I think is kind of notable is the brothers Roldan, who were spectacular in um, Champions League play and were spectacular in CONCACAF qualifying. 
have been like kind of quiet ever since then. And I think that that's probably a thing that we see a lot when we get to the back end of a season where there's a lot of important international play. Like these guys are overused and they're tired. Um, they, they, you know, everybody, there's a lot of injuries on this squad. There's a little bit of age and there's a lot of really good players who really needed to stand up for their national teams. And so I think all of that together is compounding to make things bad. Um, that means that the Rapids have a shot here and, and should really kind of exploit a team that is down in the dumps. I was saying earlier on, this is like signal. This is noise, not signal. You know, they're going to turn it around. It's Seattle. They won CONCACAF. They're, they're really good. Um, they're, they're just having a really hard season. I'm starting to become a disbeliever. I'm starting to think that Seattle is um, not going to turn it around in the second half of the season and is going to say, you know, we won CONCACAF Champions League. We're the first MLS team to ever do it. We're fine. We don't need to win anything else this season. We can just miss the playoffs and spend the offseason playing golf. Seattle's last five games, a 2-1 loss to CF Montreal, who and Seattle scored in the third minute and then found a way to lose that game 2-1 without Jordi Mihailovic on the field for Montreal. Seemed like a freak result, Mark. Uh, then they beat Toronto 2-0. Toronto's bad. Not surprised there. Uh, they get a red card. The, all the wheels kind of come off on uh, on rivalry week for them against Portland Timbers. 3-0 kind of shock result. But then Nashville hasn't been great at home they play them midweek they lose that game or the and then they play at chicago fire who are really bad and then suddenly come up with two dubs last week as well i'll maybe disagree with you a little bit rabbi in that i think in terms of that five game set that's a that is a trend any one of those bad results lost to nashville lost to chicago lost to montreal with two wins and two draws in there would have been seen as an outlier but now we have enough to where you know you're only point that you've gotten in that segment was against a garbage Toronto FC team. I bet you right now if Toronto played against the Colorado Rapids, Mark Anthony K revenge tour notwithstanding, that the Rapids would find a way to get a result in that game. So I think this is a signal in terms of where they are post-Champions League and everything. I think they're starting to lose the war of attrition. Can Raul Diaz get healthy is one very good question. Um, can Garth Lagerway cook up something really good? You know, I'm sure Sounders Twitter is probably complaining about one something from him in the same way that Rapids fans are twiddling their thumbs and thinking, Pork, you're going to sign a midfielder? You know, Latif Blessing would be really nice given it's Ralph Prizzo and Brian Acosta and, you know, Jack Price is, you know, having his calf taped up with like paper clips and peanut butter right now. So paper clips and peanut butter. So, you know, I think those, uh, you know, so I think there's a season in terms of making the playoffs is kind of teetering. It's on an inflection point in the way that I think the Rapids, they're starting an inflection point in which things could crash and burn and they could miss the playoffs. And it could be, yes, we won Champions League, you know, but ultimately it was at the expense of making the playoffs again and making a run at MLS Cup or Supporter Shield or something in the same way that I think the Rapids are in the middle of an inflection point to where if they go on and win at Seattle, given Seattle's loss three in a row if they find a way to get a result at New York Red Bulls who are a very good team as well then we could kind of see that as an upward trajectory I think the Sounders are at that point where you know if you were taking a roller coaster blindfold and at a flat end you're going to fall down into a crash or you're going to go up to you know then go through a loop-de-loop or something like that that was a really bad and weird metaphor I apologize listeners but so or or they'll just stay in ninth that's the it could just be that too so in any case, this is a team that is on a bad run of form, just like the LA Galaxy. This is a team dealing with injuries and will have potential absences on Saturday, just like the LA Galaxy were. This is also, Mark, a road game and a stadium that has been a house of horrors for the Rapids, where we know they're not going to get any benefit of the doubt from the official uh, VAR indirect offsides or not. And uh, I would take a draw right now in this one, given those circumstances. But there is there's a real opportunity here, especially if Seattle comes out and they're missing players and they're just not in it in the moment for the Rapids to really get something. And if that's a win, that's something where even if it's false signal in terms of the quality of opponents you can play – there's placebo effect setting in of Zardis getting, okay, I've gotten three goals in a row now. I can now score against those big teams. The Rapids defense saying, okay, we can go out and do that. And so this is maybe a game where the result and what it means for the table will almost define the mindset and the performance rather than it's normally the other way around where single individual moments can – that 
on a dime can change a result and then suddenly define how we feel about it in the same way that having a draw and then a win last week, we feel differently than if we were talking about a win and then a draw in which the Rapids out XG their opponent by more than two goals. So uh, Mark, I'm taking a draw on this one because I think at some point Brian Smetzer and this team are going to say is enough is enough. We're getting a result at home. I will take a draw. I don't think a draw unless they score in like 10 seconds in and then give up a goal in like the 95th minute will be seen as a failure. A 1-1 draw, a nil-nil draw for me will be a positive result, will be success for me on Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to take an L. I don't think we know how to win on the road, and I don't think winning on the road in Seattle is the place we're going to start doing it. But that being said, I am shocked, Matt, that, that Albert Rusnak has one goal and zero assists. You know what else I'm shocked at? I'm shocked that... More of our listeners don't buy kits from Icarus FC and uh, more scarves from Roughneck Scarves. Those are our sponsors. We love them very much. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the social, how to uh, read our written material, uh, or how to subscribe to and support this podcast. Listeners, follow us individually on Twitter at Sucker underscore Rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, at Rapids96 Podcast. Send us your questions using the hashtag AskHCHL on Twitter and also tag us in your comments on Twitter. Rapids Foreign Legion is doing the doing the Lord's work out there, is doing the Pids Pope's work right now, folks, in terms of engaging conversations in Rapids land. Uh, if you want to get at us in more than 280 characters, Rapids96Podcast at gmail.com. Check out all of our written content, Rapids Later, otherwise at Pittsburgh Soccer now. Last word on sports.com backslash soccer and holding the highline.substack.com. On there, you can view us in web format. You can give us an email and then subscribe to our newsletter. You can also pay us money and uh, support us there five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year to be a paid Highliner. And Mark, uh, we're going to have a nice little surprise for Highliners that we're going to announce next week. We've been holding it off mostly because I keep forgetting, but this is a reminder now for me to do it next week on the pod after we discuss some stuff off pod on that and then also uh there's our patreon page if we bring further monetary value to your life patreon.com backslash rapids 96 podcast and we still have a really good relationship with the denver post regardless of certain people blocking us on twitter where you could get a really good deal (laughs) on digital sports content from the denver post rockies related broncos training camp related um musings of colorado avalanche players that are sobering up and carrying the cup in various places denverpost.com backslash hthl listeners we'll see you next week Matt has 15 minutes and 20 seconds to get to King Supers. Good luck. Peace. Peace.